All right, so we're going to take a look at a story in the Scripture about a leper. Not a leopard, but a leper, right? And a leper was a person who had this skin disease, the, the, the disease of leprosy. And it comes from Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And it says this, that a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. He's begging Jesus to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me. I want you to notice, first of all, that this man has no name. This man, the the Bible doesn't give him a name. He's just this faceless, nameless guy. He's been identified by his problem. He's been identified by his position. And we talked a little bit last week about how Jesus doesn't identify us by our position or our problems, but he identifies us by our potential and our purpose. Come on, y'all. That's how Jesus looks at us. That's how Jesus looks at us. But this guy was looked on by everybody else as the man with leprosy. The, the, the man who, who had this disease, he had his own issues, right? And, and I want to say today that many people, maybe, maybe you, maybe you're here today and you're living your life based on what other people say about you. You're living your life based on the past. You're living your life based on your problem. And I want to tell you today that you are not your problem. You are not your past. You are not what other people say about you. You are what God Almighty says about you. You are what God says about you. And maybe you're going, well, I can't see it yet. You're telling me all these things that God says that I am. I can't see it yet. The reason you can't see it yet is because God's not finished yet. He's still working on us. We can't see the end result. We just got to trust and believe by faith we are who he said. Who who are we? We're children of the most high God. I love that song that we just sang. I'm a child of God. You are a child of God. That's who we are. So this man is living based on his position. People refer to him based on his problems. But that's not how God refers to us. Another thing we see here is that this man with leprosy comes down like in front of Jesus, kneeling at his feet, begging to be healed. Now, in those days, that was, that was a crime punishable to death. Like this, this guy is breaking the law because he has leprosy. He's supposed to stay away from everybody else. About 50 paces, he's supposed to keep his distance. And when he's walking down the sidewalk and he sees you coming toward him, he's supposed to say, unclean, unclean. I got issues. I got problems. You, you probably can tell I got rotting flesh on my body. I, I mean, why do I have to say it out loud? That's just what the law says. Unclean, right? Unclean. So he has to tell everybody, I got issues. I got problems. You don't want to be around me. You, I might be contagious, right? And then he... He, he could have died for, for approaching Jesus this way, but he took a chance. I think he's probably thinking, well, if I live, I'm not going to live too long. I'm, I'm going to die a leper, or I can just take a chance, and if they stone me, then, hey, I'm going to die anyway, right? He just takes a step of faith. And, and he obviously knows that Jesus can heal. He knows about Jesus' power. He's probably heard about what Jesus can do. Oh, hey, did you hear that Jesus is coming? He's the one who healed the blind man. He's the one who opened the deaf ears. He's the one who raised the dead man back to life. He's the one who, who, who made the lame man walk. He's the one who healed the ten lepers. And this man's got some faith, right? But notice how he approaches Jesus. He says, 
I know you can, Jesus. I know you can heal because I heard about you. But I'm just wondering if you will. Will you heal me? Will you take care of me? Will you clean me up? Will you heal my disease? And church, I think there's a lot of people in Wichita Falls who are asking the same question. Like, I know they can. I know they can meet my needs. I saw it on Facebook yesterday. I know they have resources. I know they have the ability to do some things. But I'm just wondering if they will. I'm just wondering, am I the right skin color? Am I, do I speak the right language for them to be able to help me? Do, do, do I fit in the right socioeconomic standard for them to, to help me? Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? The, the, the people are wondering. I know they can, but I wonder if they care. I wonder if they will. I wonder if they'll step out in faith. I wonder if they'll meet my needs. And I'm just telling us today as a church, listen to me, this is an all call for us to just say not only do we, not only can we meet their needs, but we want to meet their needs. Come on, y'all. We want to be a blessing. We want to be an influence. We want to help somebody. We want to help a neighbor. We want to mow a yard. We want to take care of people. Amen? That's our heart. That's who we are. People are asking that, and our response is, yes, we want to help. It goes on to say in verse 41, moved with compassion. Three words. That doesn't seem like a big deal, right? Moved with compassion. Okay, Jesus is moved with compassion. But here's the thing. It takes three English words to say what one Greek word is trying to say here. I don't know if you know it, but the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And then it was translated into English uh, long before the King James Version. So just, just put that in your pipe and smoke it, all right? <laughs> long before, there, there were people working on translations, right? So, so, he, so, so sometimes it's easy to translate into English, and sometimes it's not easy to translate into English. And this is one of those times where it's difficult to be translated into English. And the Greek word here is... This is so hard to say, man. Every time I'm like, well, how do I say this word? Splachnitsomai. Splachnitsomai is the Greek word here. And it literally means the inward parts. It's, it's talking about the, the inside. Like in those days, when they said the inner parts, they were referring to the seat of feelings. And the seat of feelings was the heart, the, the, the bowels, the liver, the kidney. It was, it was like this internal feeling. Have you ever said, I just had a check in my gut? I had a gut check. Or something didn't feel right in my gut. Have you ever thought that before or said that? That's because it goes back millennia. It's because it's been going on. That's where we get that splachnitsomai feeling where Jesus said, I can't stand to watch this guy suffer anymore. I can't stand it. It's, it hit him in his gut. It hit him in his, like, not his head, but in his heart. I can't take this. It's when we say something like, you mean they're living like that? You mean to tell me those kids don't have the food they need for the night? In Wichita Falls? Oh, when that thing hits you in the gut and you say, I got to do something about that. I can't just sit by and watch anymore. Splachnitsomai, splachnitsomai. Some of the stories from yesterday, so cool, hearing about an 86-year-old woman who is on her fixed income and she can't afford to mow her yard. 
She can't afford to pay for it to be mowed, but she can't mow it herself. She's 86. And, and our team shows up and they take care of it. They don't just mow the yard and cut the weeds down. I'm, I'm talking, they take care of everything. And she's so impressed at what it looks like afterwards. She's going, what do, I, what do I owe you? How am I supposed to pay you? You're not supposed to pay us anything. We don't want anything. We just did this because God loves you and we do too. And she's blown away at the generosity of somebody. She said, nobody's ever done anything like this for us. Nobody's ever been over here serving like this. And then a lady that I, I met, her name is Lupe. All the Americans call her Lupe, right? Her name is Guadalupe. Lupe. And, and she, she said she, she is a four-year widow. She's been a widow for four years in remission of leukemia for about four years on a fixed income, and, and we said, how can we pray for you, Lupe? She said, I need to sell my house because the taxes are increasing and I can't afford to stay here anymore. And your heart breaks. Like, you're choosing to sell your house because you can't pay your taxes on your fixed income of $1,000 a month. Splack, splack, my. My heart breaks. Our hearts break for that. And then you run into, you, you hear stories about another group who went to the housing authority, one of the locations, and they just show up with the grill, and they're grilling hamburgers and giving popsicles away, and there's the inflatable, and they're just loving on people, taking care of people. There's no strings attached. We're not asking you to come to City Hope. We're just loving on you. What's the catch? How much does this cost? Nothing. No, we, we just want to serve you. We're just here to love you. Just It's free. Free? There's nothing for free. Ain't nobody done something like this for us. We've never, nobody has ever served us like this. Blown away at generosity. Blown away by serving. That's splachnitsum. I can't let this happen anymore. And then 42 women and 10 children were served at Faith Refuge yesterday. 34 children. Yeah, come on, that's awesome. 34 children were served at the Children's Aid Society, given duffel bags with every kind of goodie bag you can imagine. There was people at nursing homes yesterday loving on the elderly and those who are, are in the nursing homes. And then one of our teams is remodeling a, a teacher's lounge here at McNeil. And then one of, the, one of the teams tells me they run into a guy named Keith. He's a little bit hungover. He's had a little too much to drink, alcohol still on his breath. And he's just walking down the street, and he, he bumps into him at Sputter Park. And he doesn't know why he's there. He just started walking. That's where he ended up. But he met our serve team, who just began to love on him. And they began to tell him what they were doing. And he said, I've been here over 45 years, and nobody has ever done something like this for me. I've never felt love like this before. He said, it's been so long since I've felt love in this world. They pray with him, and they encourage him, and they cry together, and they laugh together, and God does a miracle. Why did they, why did they serve? Why did you serve like that? It's in my God. I can't let this go on. I can't let this happen. So he was moved with compassion. And, and Jesus said, I'm, I'm, I'm not just willing. Oh, be healed. I, I can do it. I'm willing. Be healed. Now, this is a, an older translation, and more modern translations have really tried to capture this splachnitsomai expression. 
And so now in the newer NIV translation, it actually says this, that Jesus was indignant. (laughs) Jesus was like, you're telling me he's going through that? You're dealing with that? Jesus, it was like this holy anger, like this, like this righteous anger wells up inside of Jesus as if to say, I'm tired of watching people suffer in our city. I'm tired of seeing people battle these diseases in our community. It's like Jesus was saying, not on my watch. Not on my watch. And that's the call for us today, church. Thank God for yesterday. But there's a city that needs us. There's a city that needs you. Widows having to choose between their groceries, their rent, or, the, or their medications. Not on our watch. Come on, y'all. Substance abuse running wild, destroying families right here in our city. Not on our watch. Teen pregnancy continuing to go through the roof. Not on our watch. We can do something about it. We can be an example. We can be an influence. The prisons and the jails are overcrowded. Not on our watch. Kids don't have school supplies. Not on our watch. We can't afford back to school haircuts. Not on our watch. We can do something about it. My kids don't have shoes and clothes that fit them when they go back to school. They're going hungry at night. Not on our watch. My aunt can't get out of the house because we don't have a wheelchair ramp to help her. Not on our watch, church. We can do something about it. We, we can do something. God, Jesus is calling us to that. So I praise God for yesterday. Man, I'm pumped. I, I don't want you to feel in, I, I want you to feel a godly pride about yesterday. Like, wow, thank you, Lord, for how you used us. But at the same time, I want us to know there's more to be done. I don't want us to get comfortable you know, in Alabama, they say, I don't want you to rest on your laurels, right? Don't, don't get comfortable. There's more to be done. I want us to stay bothered. Can I say it that way? I want us to stay bothered by the hurts and the habits and the hangups of people in our community. I want you to stay indignant, like not on my watch, not if I can do something about it. I'm, I'm, I want us to stay ready to serve. This splachnizo my kind of kind of feeling inside of us. We can't stop. Why? Why can't we stop? Because Proverbs chapter 3, verse, verse 27 says it this way, to never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Mm. Don't walk away from somebody who needs help because your hand is God's hand for them. It goes on to say in the next verse, in, in verse 28, don't tell your neighbor Hey, maybe tomorrow. We'll catch up tomorrow. Uh, Call me, text me, try me tomorrow. When the money is right there in your pocket. Another translation says when you're ready to serve, when you're ready to help immediately. Don't put it off when you have the means to do it right now. And this is not a call for you to go like, oh, I'll just call Pastor Ben every time somebody needs a help, Right? Because that's the old church model, like, well, Brother Ben, I'm, you know, we need to help this person over here. Hey, you're the church. Go help them. You know what I'm talking about? Don't be the guy who called me one time at like 1 in the morning, and, it, and he's like, hey, Brother Ben, I'm down here at Walmart. And uh, I'm like, I'm thinking, what are you doing at Walmart at 1 in the morning? Why are you calling me at 1 in the morning? 
well, I got a, I got a fella down here that he needs a place to stay for the night. And I was just wondering if the church could get him a hotel. Why don't you get him a hotel? Come on, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, this building's not the church. We're the church. We, you and I are the church, and we have the power to do something about it. It's not, oh, let me call old brother Ben. Let me see what he's going to do about it. No, 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 no. We're the church. We can do something about it. We have the power, the name of Jesus, to do something about it. That's a rant, by the way. I'm sorry. I just like, didn't happen here, by the way. That did not happen here back in Alabama. But listen, when an organization, hear me out, when an organization, church is an organization, when an organization gets comfortable, they stop doing things that got them to where they are. When they get comfortable, they just kind of rest, and they're like, oh, we don't have to, we don't have to really serve anymore. You know, we don't really have to meet people's needs anymore. And then what happens is they start this downward spiral. And I'm, I'm just calling us today. I'm saying, that's not us. That's not who we are. I call it mission creep. It's when you begin to drift away from the vision to love God, love people, and give hope. It's when you begin to drift away from that. And churches, it happens in churches all the time, but it happens in our lives all the time where we drift away from what God asked us to do, when we drift away from a goal or something we've had in our hearts. So I want to give you three principles today that if we live by these, I'm telling you, we will live out the purpose that God has for us, all right? So number one is choices lead, feelings follow. If you got notes, jot that down. Choices lead, feelings follow. I could put this in every message that I ever preach here because it's true. Choices lead us, and then the feelings come. But what we want in this life so many times is we want the feelings to lead us, and then we choose. Come on, y'all. Like, we, we, we want the feeling to change, and then we'll choose to change. We want the feeling to stay married, and then we'll choose to stay married. How many of you married people know there's some days you don't feel like being married, but you made a choice, right? Or, or you know, I, I, I want to choose... I want to feel like going to the gym, and then I'll go to the gym. That day will never happen. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You you know what I'm talking about? Because we don't always feel, and I like to say it this way, we we don't always run on feelings, but it sure is nice to feel what you're running on. That... Let that sink in for a second. We don't run on feelings. We got to make a choice first. Or maybe you, maybe you, you want to feel the presence of God first, and then you'll lift your hands in worship like the crazy guy next to you, right? But, but have you thought about this, that maybe you've got to lift your hands in worship first before you feel the presence of the Lord? You have to make that choice first, and then you experience God in a real way. You have to make that choice. So I want to show it to you, a progression in in the scripture. In Matthew chapter 9, it says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. Notice he went. He, he, He left. He went somewhere. All the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and healing every disease. So he went, and then after he went, the Bible says, when he saw the crowds... He had compassion. He had splachnizomai. He had compassion on them. But I want you to see the progression that he went first. Then he saw, and then he had. But we want to have, 
then see, then go. I want to have that feeling of helping somebody. I want to have that feeling like I'm supposed to. And then when I find the right thing to do, then I'll go. But that's not the way it works. It always starts with a step of faith and obedience. When you go first, it always works this way. When you go, then you'll see the need. And when you see the need, then you'll have compassion and you'll do something about it. But if you never go, you'll never see and you'll never do. Come on, y'all. Does that make sense? Am I, does that make sense? If you never go, you'll never see and you'll never do. Some of you are tore up since yesterday. Some of you are messed up after serving yesterday. And I'm talking about messed up in a good way because you saw some things you don't normally see. You saw some things that you don't normally see. You saw poverty in a way that you don't, you've never seen it in Wichita Falls before. You saw houses like you don't see in your neighborhood. You saw people living like they don't live in your block. And you're messed up over that. It did something inside of you. And you say, I can't just let this go. I got to do something about it. I got I to gotta do this more often. I've, I've got to meet somebody's needs. And so if you don't go, you won't see and you won't do. You won't feel responsible. It's out of sight. It's out of mind. You don't know what you don't know doesn't hurt you. And if you don't know what goes on on that part of town, Maybe, maybe that's best for you. Maybe, you do it, maybe we do it on purpose sometimes. I don't want to be responsible, so I don't want to know. I don't want to really know what's going on over there. Because if I know, I got to do. I got to do something about it. So maybe, maybe you like to sleep in on Saturdays. Maybe the kids like to play video games or watch TV, just veg out. But maybe since you got messed up yesterday, or maybe you didn't go to serve day, and you're thinking, I don't know what this was, but I got to be in on it. Listen, we do, we do it every month. Instead of vegging out on Saturdays, make the first Saturday of every month an opportunity for your family to give back, to go do something, to be a vessel in the hands of feet of Jesus Christ, to not focus on yourself anymore, but to look outside of these walls, to look outside of your walls, to look outside of your color, to look outside of your language, and to make a difference in somebody else around our city. Can I get a witness today? Amen. Right, right now, 10 minutes from us, 10 minutes from here, there's people who don't have electricity. And it's going to be 100 degrees this week. No air conditioning in their homes. Babies dealing with that heat. There's kids going to bed every night hungry. Oh, come on, Ben. Not in Wichita Falls. Right here in Wichita Falls. An astronomical number of our students in WFISD are on free and re reduced lunches. They, they, they have food trucks in WFISD that go to neighborhoods to feed those kids during the summer because they don't have anything to eat. They're sent, during the school year, they're sending them home with meals every day. It used to just be the weekends. Now it's every day. Sending kids home with food. Oh, not in Wichita Falls. Come on. We got to open our eyes. We got to open our eyes. We get, we got to have pluck my like not on our watch. Kids going to bed hungry, not on my watch. Not here. We can't forget. The second thing I want I want to just 
I think it's a principle that will help us. It's a principle that will make a difference in our lives, and that is that we have to see people the right way. And when you look on the outward appearance, when you look on the surface, people will give you every reason in the world not to like them. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you are that person. Stonewall, like you have this wall up. You know, you don't, I don't like you. You don't like me. I don't know you. You don't know me. I, I ain't figuring to talk to you about what's going on in my life. You know, just you, these walls are up, right? We've built these walls, and those got to come down. We have to learn to see people the right way. Last week, we talked about God's vantage point of seeing people the right way. And, and we've got to remember that hurting people hurt people. They are, people are the reason they are because of what's happened in their life. Abuse, brokenness, abandonment, addiction. They are the way they are because of what's happened in their life. And I'm just here to tell you that that it's amazing how we can see people differently when we know their real story. When we get past all of the surface stuff, and it's just two of us, Brothers, sisters, tell me what's up, man. I'm no better than you. I don't, I, don't have, I don't have my act together. We've all got issues. What's going on? And it's amazing how people, how much you can like somebody when you know what's really going on in their life. Luke chapter 10 is, is, an, is a story of the Good Samaritan. And, and in this story, we, we see how... how all of these different people look at the, this man through different lenses and different vantage points. And the this, this story is, is about a man. We'll read it here on the screen. Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 37. It says that there was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. So this man is traveling, and you're going to see how everybody looks at him differently. So on the way there, he was attacked by a band of robbers. They took his clothes... They beat him up, and they, they went off leaving him half dead. He's, he's done for, right? And it goes on to say, luckily, a priest was on the same road. Now, this is being sarcastic, like, oh, thank God there was a priest. But notice, he didn't do anything. In fact, the priest just moseyed on over to the other side. Like, oh, you're not my problem. I don't have time for that today. So he, he left the guy alone. And then some, a Christian, man, this good Christian, he was a member at City Hope. Well, he passed by. And he did the same thing. He, he turned the other way. Uh, I don't have time. I'm sorry, man. I'm on my way to, to lunch. Um, I'll help you later, another day. I'll take care of you another day. But I, I, not today. Today's Sunday. Got to go eat with my family. We're on our way to, to the steakhouse. Another day. But then the Bible says, a a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He had compassion on this guy. He gave him first aid. He bandaged his wounds, disinfecting, bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him on his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, take good care of this guy. If it costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on my way back through. What do you think, Jesus asks? 
Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? And then the scholar says, the one who treated him kindly. And Jesus says, go and do the same. Go and do the same. Now I want you to notice how everybody looked at him differently. In this story, the thieves looked at him as a victim to exploit. Somebody to take something from. In other words, they said, what's yours is mine, and we're going to take it. It belongs to me. It's mine. Then, then the priests and the Christians and the good church members, they saw him as a problem to avoid. Oh, you, you don't go to our church, so we're, it's not our problem. Why don't you go talk to your pastor about that issue? Now, we, you know, we, we only take care of those who, who call City Hope home here. No, 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 no. Their attitude was, what's mine is mine. I'm going to keep it. I'm not going to share. And then the Good Samaritan. This is what I want for us, church. The Good Samaritan saw him as a person to be loved. Where he said, what's mine is yours. And I'm going to give it. It's yours. Take it. You can have it. I don't need it. In the light of eternity, it doesn't really matter. You, you can have it. And that's the kind of attitude I believe that God wants us to have. The kind of attitude he wants us to have. So I, I hear some chatter about City Hope in Wichita Falls. I hear chatter. Most of it is good. And then there's some bad. I really don't care either way. But here's, here's, here's what I want to say. Whether someone likes City Hope Church or they don't like City Hope Church, at the end of the day, what I want them to say is, I might not agree with everything they do, but they sure do love people. I don't know if I agree with how they do everything over there, but they sure are generous. They take care of people in our community. I might not agree with them, but they sure do love people. Come on, y'all. That, that's, what, that's, that's what God wants for us. We, we, don't, we don't have to do everything just right, but we got to love people. We got to love God. We got to love people. We got to take care of people. We got to take care of our city, take care of our community. And, and as we move away from serve day, I just, I don't want serve day to move away from us. I don't want it to leave our hearts. I don't want us to get three weeks down and go, oh man, serve day was awesome, wasn't it? It was so good. Can't wait till next year. I want it to stay a burden inside of us. And so number three, we, in order for that to happen, Never forget what Jesus did for me. We have to never forget what he did for us, for me and you. Why do we love the way we love? Why do we serve the way we serve? Because Jesus loved us first. Jesus served us first. He loved us first. Why are we so generous? Why do we give so much stuff away? Why, why didn't we charge for the serve shirts? Why do we give all that away? Why, why, why do we... Give stuff away all the time. Why do we give hamburgers? and hot? Why do we do all that? Because God gave his son first for us. The most generous thing he's ever done was give his son. Why do we serve? Why another church service? Why another, why another small group? Why another offering? Why are we doing all of these things? Because he loved us first. There was a, a, a story in the scripture uh, when Jesus was having a small group, y'all didn't know Jesus had small groups, did you? He had small groups. He, he was having a small group with a bunch of religious leaders and then 
right in the middle of the small group, this known prostitute walks in. This known prostitute, a hooker, comes in off the street. And all of the, all of the religious people are like, what is she doing here? They, they, had, they had one of two responses. It was either, what is she doing here? She doesn't belong here. This is for religious people only. This is for those who have their act together. That was maybe one of their responses. The other res- response was probably, oh, crap, I hope she doesn't recognize me. Oh, well, she doesn't see me. And they were turning their nose up at this lady, this prostitute. She comes in, sobbing, weeping, and she falls down at the feet of Jesus. And she begins to wash his feet with her tears. She's crying so much that she's washing his feet. And then she begins to dry his feet with her hair. And she has this box of perfume. This box of perfume, it wasn't just like, you know, your, your, your regular old, old spice. You know what I'm talking about? Like, this was a year's worth of income in this box. And she breaks it and pours it out over his feet. And all the religious people were like, what a waste. Why would she do something like this? If he... If he only knew who was rubbing up against him, he wouldn't let this go on. She's she's vile. If he only knew the kind of life that she lived and what she's done, he wouldn't let this go on. But Jesus did know. He did know her past. He knew what she was going through. He knew how she had been rejected time and time again. He knew all of her past, and he makes some pretty bold statements Church, I, I, I want to pause and just say, let us never be the church that turns people away. Let us never be the church that turns our nose up at people and says, you're not welcome here. You're not like us. You don't have your act together. Let us never be like these religious people. I want us to be the kind of church where everybody is welcome and anything is possible. <laughs> Come on, y'all. I want us to be the kind of church where I don't care who you are, where you're from. It doesn't matter. God is in this place. Let the worst of the worst, let the least of the least be welcomed here at City Hope Church. So she pours her love out over Jesus. And he responds. (laughs) He responds in such a powerful way. All of these men these Christians, all of these religious guys, they were going, yeah, if he only knew, she doesn't belong here. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, her many sins have been forgiven because she loved much. But he who's been forgiven little loves little. These men were too righteous to see their need for Jesus, to see their need for a Savior. Can I tell you that no one in this room today has been forgiven little? Every one of us deserved hell. Every one of us deserved punishment. There's no way we could pay it. Every one of us deserved to go to hell. But Jesus stepped in and he took the punishment for us. He stepped in and, and, and into the courtroom of our life and he settled accounts 
so that we could spend eternity in heaven. And when you think about that, let it soak in. Why are we doing all of this? Why serve days? Why another service? Why outreaches? Why another offering? Why small groups? Why? Because 1 John 1, 4, 19 says, because he first loved us. All of this is a response to Jesus. All of this is a response to the fact that he loved us first. It's all a response to what he's done in us. I want to close out today with a prayer over you. Would you bow your heads with me? Let me just ask you this question. What the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What's he saying to you? This message is not to, I hope it has not condemned you. I'm really trying to light a fire under us to continue what happened yesterday. It's no judgment. It's it's no condemnation. It's no guilt. It's, it's just a call to celebrate, but also a call to say there's more. We can't stop. We can't forget. As the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today, let me pray. Lord, I thank you that you used us in such a powerful way yesterday. You used City Hope in such a way to make a difference. And God, I'm asking you today, may we never forget what you've done for us. May we never forget how we needed you. May we never forget how you took us out of the mud and the mire and you set us on a rock, a firm foundation. So birth inside of us a passion today, a pure and a holy passion to do outrageous things for people who don't know you, for people you love so much, for people that you've known their names from the beginning of the earth, for people that are different than us, for people that that, that don't look like us or don't talk like us. Help us to do outrageous things that go beyond the surface level and meet a spiritual need, God. I'm praying that you help us to step out in faith, to, to go, to see, and then to do something. To, to not sit back and think somebody else will do it. Someone else will take care of that. Birth inside of us a passion for you. God, help us to know how high, how wide, how deep, how great your love is for us. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, your eyes still closed, maybe you're here today and, and you're, you're carrying the weight of your guilt. You're carrying the weight of your shame. You're carrying the weight of your sin. And you're far from God. You feel distant. You can, you can almost literally feel the distance. You feel so far away. And you're just saying, Ben, I'm ready. I need life change. I'm ready to turn from my way I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to change my mind. I'm ready to turn from my way and, and, and live God's way. I'm ready. I need Him. I need a clean slate. I need a fresh start, a do-over today. If you're here today and you're ready for that, if you're ready to surrender your life to Christ, just lift up your hand just between me and you. Just let me see you, and I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. If that's you, lift up your hand. Let me see where you're at. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for being bold. Who else today? Be bold about it. Be courageous. This is your moment. This is a moment of life change, a moment of destiny for you. This is what you've been waiting for. Who else today says, that's me, Ben. I'm I'm ready to surrender. Amen. Come on, let's say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I give my life to you. Not my will, 
but your will be done. Have your way in my life. I change my mind. I don't want to live for me. I want to live for you. I give myself to you. Body, soul, and spirit, I'm yours. Use me. Work through me. I'm your vessel. From this day forward, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen.